This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Jake DeMake. Look out if Jake gets hot. Shot blocked by Jake. A shot to go. For the Jake transition triple. We are live in Studio B. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. I didn't recognize Jake with that haircut. Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. You can see his, Our his special guest now. today is the great Jake Toulson, former BYU basketball standout who is in the Cougar Council Room and ready to talk Cougar hoops, man. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's talk about the hair from then and now. What do you think? You know, I mean... Longer now. Yeah, it's longer. You know, not, not playing ball anymore. I actually just got a haircut. It was, like, pretty long, but... Um, you know, this is me. You didn't feel pressure to... Post basketball. You didn't feel pressure to be on BYU TV with a shorter haircut. No, I, I, I knew that I was coming on today. And I was like, I got to get a fresh cut. Got to make sure I'm looking good. <laughs> but these guys, you know... You look great. Let's go. You. This yeah. is professional, Jake. This, this is professional. Yeah, this Before is. he was uh, amateur, Jake, because <laughs> yeah. he was a college basketball player pre-NIL. Okay, yeah. BYU's in the Big 12. They're 5-5. Uh, five and five. They're in 8th place. Yeah. I never knew that 5-5 five and five and 8th and place could feel so good. Yeah. But it's how it is in the Big 12. How have you assessed what BYU's done so far? I mean, let's, let's just say they have overachieved, I think. Um, and everyone had a lot of expectations of what was going to happen in the Big 12. Um, and they have answered every question. I think they're playing tough. They're playing their brand of basketball. Um, everyone would say, you know, how's BYU going to adjust to the Big 12? But I've seen a lot of adjusting to BYU. Like BYU came into the conference and teams got to come to the Marriott Center and play us and play our brand. Um, and it's been great. I'm, I'm very impressed with what I see so far. Yeah, the rhetoric coming out of non-conference play was very interesting, even from BYU fans. It's like, okay, 12-1 and is great. And I know they got the win against San Diego State. And yeah, they beat NC State, but they lost to Utah. Yeah. Let's see what happens when the Big 12 teams yeah. come rolling. And then they lost to Cincinnati. And I was like, see, I told you they couldn't handle Paper the Big Tiger. 12. Yeah. They're now five, five and five. Yeah. I feel like everything they did in non-con up to this point now with the 10 Big 12 games, they've been validated. Absolutely. Is it safe to say that? Absolutely. And I said they overachieved and when they're five and five, and that's crazy to say. But yeah. um, it's hard to win in this conference. These teams are good. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to win on any given night, whether that's at home or on the road. You saw it with Cincinnati. And then we go out and get one on the road that you know maybe people thought that we didn't. Um, so... Uh, the team has, has, has answered every question. Um, they keep playing hard, and Coach Pope has these guys bought in, and it's been great. Okay, BYU is playing its first team for a second time tonight. What's the challenge of playing a team twice, having a game, but kind of evolving both teams since then, and now it's round two? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always tough to beat a team twice, uh, I think. Um, we're at home now, so it's, it's a little bit of a different game because um, we can use some of these things to our advantage. But um, I think what, what Coach Pope is saying to the guys is that we got to be who we are. Um, you know, obviously there's different adjustments, things that you can learn from the first matchup. But if I had to guess, he's saying something like tonight, you know, we got to take care of the ball, we got to rebound, and we got to play for each other. Um, and those are things that you can control. And... Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you do those three things, you give yourself a chance to win. Jake, I know you're a competitor, and I know that somewhere in that wonderful mind of yours, you have thought, 
How would my team, my senior year, have fared in Big 12 play? How do you think your squad with you and TJ and Yoli and Zach Selius and company have fared against the Big 12 style of competition? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Like, you know, it's, it's hypothetical. But um, we had some, you know, games that year where we could look at it and say, well, we, you know, we went on the road and beat a, a, a really good Houston team. Um, you know. uh, yeah, you beat a Big 12 team. Yeah, you so, played so, Kansas. Yeah, exactly. We played Hawaii. Kansas out in Maui. We, yep, without Yoli. Without Yoli. Yep. Um, yeah, so a lot of those games you can look at and be like, you know, that team would have um, been able to contend in the Big 12. And I think, uh, you know, that was, I think the year before or during that year is when we kind of announced what, what was going to happen with WCC and Big 12. Um, so it's fun to actually be here where, you know, we're playing in the Big 12. I was at the Texas game when, you know, it's just crazy. Like you grow up coming to the Marriott Center, playing in the Marriott Center, and then you see Texas, that brand, the burnt orange. I know that they're leaving, but um, it's cool. I think BYU is, you know, in a great position to, to get everything they want. And then blow them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. then crush them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun, man. Awesome. I knew this team was going to be good when – when uh, we went down to Vegas and, and made two coaches just have complete meltdowns. <laughs> they just were throwing tantrums, and I was like, this team is good. That's when you knew. They're tough, yeah. It's yeah. because your team, that you did that to some opposing hey, coaches. We, 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 we had fun with it. We definitely uh, we competed. So, it was, yeah, it's so seven and three through ten is what your answer is? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, let's, let's talk about this group. They don't have a superstar. They probably could if they just gave Jackson Robinson like 25 shots a game or, yeah. or Dallin Hall or whoever, yeah. right? But it, it's a great team. Um, nobody's averaging even 12 a game right now. Yeah. Like the, the unique nature of this team is that they don't rely on a superstar. They have all these guys. They move the ball a ton. Ali's unique. Foos still that inside presence. Like, have you seen a team like this before? BYU, like you said, teams have had to adjust to BYU as well. Yeah. No, it's 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 fun, and I think it's it's new. Um, not you know not every BYU team has has played like this, um, and so a lot of credit to Coach Pope for getting these guys to buy into their role. Um, and you see what happens when you 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 know maybe sacrifice a little bit of your numbers and mm. these things that the, these young kids tend to to, to care about. Um, but when you when you buy in, um, you can get everything you want uh, with the team, and so. Uh, yeah, teams have had to adjust to it. It's easy to game plan for, for a player that's going to put up 20 shots a game and try and, you know, corral that, that one player. But when you've got a team that's running all this action and back cutting and, like, you just you can't, you can't do anything. You just got to pray. <laughs> you got to pray just to make it today, MC Hammer. Um, there are more kind of Zach Selyus and Dalton Nixon types on this team, yeah. I think, than we've had before because it's more of the – Richies and and come everyone has a role yeah and they understand that role and sometimes it's hard to buy into that like we know that Zach Selyus could have put up 20 a game BYU he's doing yeah. it in Germany look at him with yeah. the mullet yeah you know what I mean yeah. Alex Barcelo is like the number five guy on that team he's one yeah. of the greatest shooters in BYU history yeah but his role was like oh I'll take corner threes I'll play yeah. great defense you don't need me to score a ton just that kind of depends where you're at in your evolution and this team in year one Jake of the Big 12 Pretty good. And then next year, you add the highest profile recruit BYU's ever signed, Colin Chandler, and then you yeah. try to keep it going. No, I, 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 you, you said it. I mean, there's, there's guys that are buying in. We know that all these guys are capable and they can go off and, you know, get all the numbers and all the praise, but this team just wants to win, it feels like. Um, and and it, it shows in the way that they're playing, the effort that they're giving, and the level of sacrifice that it, that it takes 
to get what you want ultimately. So it's, it's great. I Jake, love it. Jake Toulson's with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach Pope calls that balance and that buy-in like one of the team's superpowers. And it really does kind of feel like that. Our good friend Jimmer Fredette sat in that chair a few weeks ago and said, my one question with this team still, uh, still is, if you need a bucket at the end of the game, like who's the alpha? Who, yeah. Who's the guy that goes and gets it? Jackson Robinson took the shot that BYU needed to beat Kansas State. Yeah. Do you pinpoint him as the guy? Like, because your team, you had three different guys. Like, you were one of them. TJ yeah. was another. Yoli was another. You needed a bucket. Like, one of you three was going to get a bucket. Yeah. Who's that guy for this unique BYU team? I think, I think it depends on the situation. Um, I would say Jax because he has that skill set um, and he's not afraid of the moment. Uh, Dallin Hall I could also put in that category where – um, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands, and he's going to make the right play no matter what. Um, and then maybe, you know, there's a matchup where we throw it inside to Foose. Like, it depends on the situation, but, um, you know, Jackson has that, you know, that it factor um, where he wants the ball, he wants to make big shots, and, I mean, he, he's got a really bright future ahead of him. Um, I can't remember the last BYU player that was drafted. Was it Jimmer? It was Trent uh, Placedit. No, no it, was yeah, Jimmer. it was Jimmer. It's Jimmer. Jimmer. Sorry, Jimmer. Yeah. You're right, Trent, and then Jimmer. So, and, yeah, it's that's been it. 13 it's been years. Yeah, it's been a while. And it's only two picks in forever. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, we're in the Big 12. We're we're winning. We're we're doing everything we want to do. But I don't exposure, know. eyeballs. Yeah, attention. getting getting guys to the NBA is is great for a program, right? Um, so Jackson um, is going to have a lot of opportunities in his future. Okay, NBA would be great. That'd be awesome. If it's not NBA, there are a ton of leagues as, as basketball has evolved and post-Dream Team 30 years later. Like, the world has yeah. uh, a ton of great leagues, as we've learned, right? Yeah. Who else are pro prospects that could be, like, uh, guys that go like yourself and, and uh, Yoli and whatnot? Yeah. And Alex Barcelo is still playing and so on and so forth. That play somewhere internationally. Who else on this team to you fits that? I mean, anyone that's playing on any given night, they, I mean, they all have a chance. We can go down the line. Um, each each one of these players individually is 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 really good and playing at a really high level. Uh, I think fans don't really see that because they see what this role that that certain player is playing for this team. But you know, we saw it with Trev. He made nine threes in a game, and Spencer, you know, can take over any game. And Ali and Foose and Dallin and Richie and um, you know even you know guys like 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 Trey Stewart have taken you know kind of a back seat in conference play but ready when his number's called. Like, you don't understand how good these guys are, um, and they'll all have a chance to, to play if that's what they want to do. It's like when Brian Scalabrini showed up at, like, a pickup game one time and just put up, like, 50, and everyone's yeah. like, who is like this the guy? worst dude on the yes. Celtics. It's like, these guys are amazing. No, these guys, like, get these, out of here. These players are so good. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I want to put out, you know, one bold take here. I think Dallin has a, has a real legit chance to be special. Like, He's I agree. Love it. Love it. He he he's gonna have a chance. He reminds me a lot of Matthew Delvadova. I think mm. he could like a more likable version. A more likable version. <laughs> a more handsome version too, for sure. Minus the mouth guard and yeah. the elbow pads. In and the, yeah. I'm like, are you? But he's playing got that toughness. Toughness yeah, makes every right play. Makes big shots. I mean, yeah. he's only a sophomore. He's he's just gonna keep getting he's better. He's so young. Yeah. Like yeah. I think we feel like he's a junior. It's like no no no. This dude has like two and a half more years. He's we got, yeah. we got time, man. Jake, it's been it. great to catch up with you, man. You guys are awesome. Okay, final question. BYU goes 2-0 this week. Yeah. They get to 7-5. Yeah. Do they finish above 500 in the league? 
Uh, I think if they do, they give themselves a great chance. But um, having played for Coach Pope, I know that he's just going to say, we're just focused on one game at a time. We didn't so. ask Coach Pope. We asked you, Jake. <laughs> Listen, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Coach mode still. Let's go. Good to see you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYUSN. Our elite mailbag question of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes in from at playoff bogey on X who asks, why have BYU men's basketball been able to make a much more successful transition to the Big 12 than BYU football with a much more difficult conference schedule? Speaking of what Hoops has been dealing with. I think continuity of roster helped a lot. Football oh, had sure. a ton of turnover. Yeah. You're trying to get guys that are first year in the system kind of st- uh, situation. With basketball, there were a lot of guys that were very frustrated about how the season had gone the year before. They worked super hard in the offseason. They were together. They didn't have a lot of newcomers, basically Ali Khalifa, and then unfortunately Dawson Baker was kind of injured already at that point. So that team came together in a unique way. And that they had football the European didn't, trip. Yeah, the, the European trip doesn't mean you'll be good. But it builds chemistry, yes. and if you combine skill and work ethic with that and good coaching and whatnot, that has yielded what we've seen. But frankly, it's hard to know always. But I, I look to continuity as perhaps the answer. The core is back. BYU only added five players from the transfer portal in football this offseason because the core in large part is back. Which on offense is super interesting, Spence. Because BYU was not good on offense, but they feel good about the group going into the year. I'm hoping yeah. that it, we didn't. We were kind of in the same position with basketball. It's like, okay, there's not How a much, ton of news. Why didn't you add a Because they felt out. good about that group. I'm hoping football can yeah. channel that basketball Please. mode. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We've got a few here. Andy Reid, obviously, winning Super Bowl number three. Amazing. Congrats uh, to Big Red for that one. Matt Bushman is on the practice squad. He and his wife, Emily. Uh, daughter of Chad Lewis, so there's always that fun connection, right? Mm. Holding the Super Bowl trophy, pretty awesome. And then this post from CJ America on uh, 11 on Saturday. It was a four BYU Cougar sports attendance day for these Cougar fans. They went to swim and dive uh, to cheer on their niece. BYU women's tennis, men's volleyball, and men's basketball. That's incredible. That is really good. Nicely done. Yeah, that's a busy day for sure. And uh, apparently they didn't have a Cougar tail at any of those events. And so that's the only mistake they made. Yes. Well, BYU Athletic Marketing's like, we got you next time on the house. Next time, we yes. we got you. Hey, that's worth seven bucks. Let's Absolutely. Go. Our Six boy Joel Marion's going to take care of I all know. of those guys. All right. Our right, thanks to today's guests, Jonathan Tavernari, and then the baseball duo Trent Pratt and Cooper Vest. Uh, sorry to Dennis Pitta, we didn't have time to talk to you, but we did hear from you. Yes. From yeah. And your buddy Joe Flacco. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Steve Lindsley. We'll see you tomorrow for another live edition of BYU Sports Station back there in Studio B. Go Cougs! Congrats, Andy! The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN. Talk football. The first win totals for the Cougars season are out. We'll discuss where Vegas expects BYU to finish in season two of the Big 12 and how we would adjust that line. 
BYU men's basketball, maybe you've heard, above 500 in the Big 12 and a projected five seed in the NCAA tournament. What do the Cougars need to do over the final seven games to continue the upward trend? We'll ask that same question to BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson and we'll look ahead to Saturday's road game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Plus, former BYU kicker turned pro MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson will join us in Studio B fresh off his first professional win. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, February 15th. Hope you had a fantastic Valentine's Day and are still feeling the love. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is brash enough, confident enough to do a solo court storm. He is Jason Shepard. Yeah, I don't know if people saw this. So Detroit Mercy, uh-huh. who we we have somewhat of a connection with because of Noah Waterman. What's up, Noah? It's so Noah Waterman played there. But but this season they were 0-26. Well, they got their first win of the year last night. And after we people storm the court, right? And when you hear storming the court, what do you think of? You think of this massive group of people running down from the stands. Oh, yeah. That was not the case. One guy <laughs> just just saunters down on the court. The, the imagery is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious. And <sighs> here's the deal. Mad props to that guy. Yes. Absolutely. Like, you're not gonna do this. I'm gonna go celebrate the one win. Would you would you be a solo celebrator in terms of on the court? If my favorite team had lost 26 <laughs> games in a row. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's connected to the team in many ways. And so there's just this innate tie, like this, you need to express this emotion to show your support. <laughs> Even if you are one fan, I respect it. Here's what I'm hoping is not the case. And we don't have the behind the scenes info on this. What I hope it wasn't a case of was his buddy saying, yeah, we're going to do it with you. You just be first. We'll follow you. We'll be right behind you. Hey. And then he gets down, he turns around, and they're up there just laughing at him. Oh, yeah, hey. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past But, uh, hey, props to the guy for being the one dude that was willing to celebrate yes. on the court after Detroit Mercy gets their Absolutely. first win. Absolutely. Who cares? If, even if he did have the friends. I wouldn't put it past <laughs> friends to do things like that. But even if that were the case, pro- like, we see you. Yeah. We literally yeah. see you. <laughs> Everybody does. And we appreciate yes. it. On that note... No solo court storms for BYU basketball. Thankfully, they have a few more fans than that, and they're winning more than that for sure. We'll get to more of that in a moment, but first, we'll time out on basketball as we rise and shout. Let's go to what's trending. It's an unbelievable catch. This is really good high-level basketball. To Hill for a touchdown. you got to find a way to win two of those games when it gets Kansas City. Hey. Plenty to talk about. Again, it is a football and basketball day on BYU Sports Nation. Listen, maybe low expectations are a good thing for BYU sports. Let's ask BYU men's basketball how it's working out for them who were picked to finish, remember, 13th out of 14 teams in conference. BYU currently tied for sixth and projected five seed in the NCAA tournament. Pretty Pretty good, Jason. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty Thank you, Larry. good. Yes. BYU football just found out how many wins they're supposed to pick up, according to the experts in the desert. And that line is at four and a half, according to FanDuel. Four and a half wins in season two of the Big 12. Not a bowl team, obviously, there at that mark. Jason, when you look at that number and you consider what's coming back and what BYU did last season mm-hmm. at 5-7, and seven, where would you set the line? 
Um, yeah, I was, I was a bit surprised. I guess there's a part of me that can sort of understand why they have gone this direction. To me, I'm probably moving the line up one win. Okay. I'm probably starting it at five and a half. Okay. And the, the reason is because this, to me, the, the big question for this year is, is BYU going to be bowl eligible this year? We thought it, when BYU started four and one, we thought it was a foregone conclusion that, that BYU was going to end up in, in a bowl game. And obviously it didn't turn out that way. And so it, it's a situation where, you know, I, I think it's, it's, is BYU going to be bowl eligible or not? I think that's kind of the biggest question okay. going into this year. Look, and I can also understand you're, whoever starts at quarterback for them is going to be a new starter. If it's if it's Jake Retzloff, yes, he started the final four games. Um, if it's if it's Gary Bohannon, yes, he has been a starter before, but this is his first season here. So, at the at the the highest position in the sport. They don't know, number one, who the quarterback's going to be. They don't know what type of performance you're going to get. So I guess I can sort of understand where they're coming from. And again, their whole thing is to get people to react and put money down on this. And so that's why they put it here. But I, I, think, I think it probably should have at least started at five and a half. Because really, to me, it's, is BYU going to get to six or not? Is it gonna, are they going to end at five wins or are they going to get to six plus? Because once you get to six above that in this conference, to me, early on in year two, it's all gravy at that point. Jason, let me add a story. And this is a little bit personal because uh, I like to tie in some personal things into discussions like this. Some of the best advice I ever got from my father-in-law when I got married was, Spencer, look, expect nothing, give everything. And when I first heard it, I was like, uh, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I understand where you're going with this. Like, it but sounds I, great. No, like, I kind of want a little bit out of this marriage thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I want something back. But I understand now, today, better than ever, what he was trying to tell me there. And that is manage expectations. If they are low, then you will be pleasantly surprised again and again and again. Jason, I, I would leave the line at four and a half, purely from the standpoint of, for fans specifically, go into the season thinking, okay, BYU's going to win four and a half games, and let's all be pleasantly surprised together. Because, yeah, I don't think BYU's going to be on the four or the five line when it comes to fruition. I think it's going to be closer to six, maybe seven wins because I have bought into what Jay Hill is doing specifically on defense. And it's going to be tough for BYU's offense to be worse than it was last year. It will be hard yeah. to be worse than they were last year. It just wasn't explosive. They were opportunistic. It took advantage of some big turnovers and field position early in the season. But it just wasn't great all year. Injuries to the quarterback, all that stuff, okay? So I'd leave the line right where it is specifically for fans and for the team, like, look, this is what they think you are. This is what Mark Pope and BYU basketball have done. Look, this is what they think you are, the 13th best team in the conference. BYU women's basketball is dealing with this as well. They think you're the 11th best team in the conference. At some point, this, you get tired of hearing yes. about it, and it will motivate you. Expect nothing, give everything, and let's all be pleasantly surprised at the result. Manage those expectations. So that's why I would leave it right where it is, baby. And I, I love what you said in terms of it, it can't get significantly worse no. than what we saw no. last year in terms of, of offensive production. 
And so I, I, I agree with you on that. There were so many things that just didn't work last year that it's just hard to believe with all of the changes that they've made to try and take care of those issues that you're going to have the same type of production or lack thereof. I'm with you 100% on that. That's why I think, I think this team is getting to six wins. I think this team is going to get bowl eligible. Yeah. And then anything you can do above that's even better. I can give you 10 reasons why this is sound logic from my good friend Jason Shepard, beginning with it's year two of Jay Hill's defense. Ben Bywater's coming back. You get Micah Harper yeah. back healthy. All of these different things that we're in it with them, right? We're in the yes. nuances. Vegas is not in the nuances. They see what happened last year, and oh, BYU still doesn't have like a quote-unquote Elite quarterback, yeah, four and a half. They won five last year. I totally understand this for yeah. sure. Like, there are a million reasons, but I, I'm i just going to save for another day. Like, I'm taking the four and a half. Because I want BYU to think, okay, this is in large part what they think you are. Now go and prove otherwise. Then go shatter that. Yeah. Get tired of hearing about it. Oh, I think we're a four or five win team. Great. Let it ruminate. Put it in your locker. Look at it every day. Whatever you got to do to motivate yourself, take a page out of some of these other BYU teams' book and look what they have done with this. So I'm with you. I love the logic of BYU is going to be better than this, but gosh, that number, just think about it. Sit just on sit, it. Just sit and stew on yeah, it. Just stew just, on that number for sure. Just put a big 4.5 right in the middle of the locker room every day. <laughs> they walk this in. is what they think you are. I hope BYU's picked to finish near the bottom of the Big 12 out of the 16 teams. I hope it comes in at like 14 or 15. Let's get, yeah, well, based great. off Based off of what this win total is, if, if every, anything else is close to that, they probably will be. Oh, man, our question of the day. You've heard FanDuel's number for Jason and I talk about it. They set it at four and a half wins for BYU. Where would you set the line and why? Eric Evanson, 22 on X, says five and a half. Right way there with you, Jason, is where I'd set it. But if the quarterback play and run game are bad again this year, four and a half might not be far off. I think that even if the offense maintained, and they were not great numbers, defense is going to be better, yeah, Jason. I, I agree with the you 100%. defense is going to be better. That's good enough to me right there for one more win. Year two with Jay Hill. We, we, saw, we saw what they were able to do in year one under him. Having another year and more of, of his guys coming in and another year in the scheme for guys that were yes. already in the system, I, I, I love the direction the defense uh, is BYU's going. BYU's not relying on 20-plus transfer portal guys to come in in year one this year. Yep. They, 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 five. Yep. Okay, yep. that number has dramatically gone down. Core is back. Got two new offensive coaches yep. who come in with some nice pedigrees. Again, I don't, I don't want to give you too much ammo to think that they'll just ruminate on four and a half. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Farmer Hiram on Instagram says, six wins. I think BYU could have an opportunity to surprise teams this year. Yes, let's surprise them. Keep it at four and a half. Let's surprise them together. All right. Uh, speaking of surprises, how about we shift gears to basketball? It has been a pleasant surprise this entire <laughs> basketball season. They Word have, of the day, surprise. Yes, yeah, they have been on a roll after beginning the Big 12 season at two and four since then. Cougars have gone four and one. They are now a game above 500 mm -hmm. at six and five overall. So, Spencer, to continue the current trend of winning, what does BYU need to do over the final seven regular season games? BYU is going to have some tough road challenges in the final seven, beginning with at Oklahoma State. Then BYU has to go to Kansas State, to Kansas, and to Iowa State. If BYU is going to win these road games, even one of the final four, 
or maybe two of the final four, it begins with protecting the ball, Jason, limiting turnovers. BYU at home can handle, because of the emotions of the crowd and just how much of a home court advantage there is in the Big 12 and certainly at the Merritt Center, it's easier to overcome 17 turnovers like they did against UCF. That will not be the case on the road. And the majority of the back seven are on the road. Which leads me to this. Yesterday, our good friend Sean Farnham joined us and talked about the turnovers that plagued BYU against UCF and how this could be a thing moving forward. The turnovers that led to points off of turnovers, that to me is probably the one stat that concerns me most if I was a BYU fan. Because you're going to have fouls and you're going to have weird things happen. But what you cannot do is turn the ball over and allow your opponent to get almost 30 points off those turnovers and expect to have success. You can do that at home, maybe, and they did last night. But even Oklahoma State this weekend, if you turn the ball over and you give them 30 points off of turnovers this weekend, you're probably not going to win that game. Could not agree more with that statement. I'll say this, however. BYU, even though they had 17 turnovers against UCF and it led to almost 30 points for the Knights, they survive at home. On the season, and in the Big 12 specifically, BYU is only averaging 12.5 turnovers a game. Yeah. That's a pretty nice it's, number. You'll take, that, you'll take that almost every year. The Cougars want it to be closer to 10 or under 12, yep. for that matter. But 12.5 is a, is a pretty decent number. BYU is not forcing as many as they're giving up. They're only forcing about 10 turnovers a game. So if that number could like equalize a little bit, like BYU is forcing closer to 12 or 13 turnovers, and then their number dips below 12, then you are in position to not blow second-half leads, at least not as easily, and maybe sneak a, a game in there and win that game that otherwise you wouldn't. I'm with you. I 100% agree that turnovers is certainly one of them, even though, you know, as you mentioned, they're only averaging about 12. I think the part of it, though, and it goes to what Sean was talking about in, in that clip, it, it's, it's the turnovers, yes, but you can, you can get past a turnover if you don't allow the other team to, to make it worse by scoring. And that's what has has happened in some of these games where turnovers have led directly to points. Yes. And that's you can turn the ball over and you certainly don't want to, but if you can keep them from compounding the mistake of the turnover by scoring, that that will go a long way in especially down the stretch where like you very accurately said you've got some very tough road games. If if you can just keep them from converting your turnovers directly to points, that will go a long way. There are a few things that incite a crowd. Yes. When you are a road team, more than a live ball turnover yep. off of a press or off of a big block shot or just a straight steal and a big dunk and the home crowd goes nuts. Like yeah. those are the worst. For me, the other thing that, that comes to mind, and and this is actually it's sort of a double-edged sword because I want to discuss m more consistent offensive production. Okay. Individually. It's but I say it's a double-edged sword because. It's been one of the things that has also helped BYU or been a plus for BYU that maybe when some of the scoring from individuals has gone up and down. Mark Pope calls it one of the team's superpowers. Yes, you, you've had other guys be able to step up yes. and, and fill in some of the gaps where, because you have, you have some games where guys will score, you know, 15, 16 points. And then in the next game, three or four points. And, but also in that game, somebody that maybe scores four or five is then getting closer to 12. So it's, it's been great to see guys step up, but imagine 
how much better this team could be, especially down the stretch where the schedule does get tougher on the road, if some of these guys that are fluctuating in terms of the production output can sort of even that out. Instead of going 15 to 5, maybe you're averaging 10 or 11. Okay, and, so you get that, no, and you get that consistently across the board. Okay. See, that's tough, but I, do, I am on board with, like, the, the decrease of the peaks and valleys. Yes. Because, yes. That's, that's basically where I'm going with this. I, I think that will help BYU immensely if, if they can avoid the peaks and valleys from game to game uh, of, of scoring individually. I think that will help this team a lot. Even if it's maybe one guy, right? Sure. Like, like, you typically need three or four guys to score in double figures to feel like you're in good position to win a game. Yeah. And what you're saying is, like, it feels like game to game, the combo of those three or four players has been wildly different, yeah, yeah. right? And, and again, that is a good thing that this team has had answers at other places with guys stepping up. But imagine how much better they could be there's it, just one more of those cons- wild swings okay. in production. Like if there's one more just consistent yes. guy yeah. every night, like he's above 10 points every game instead of like 15 here, two here, 15 here, yeah. three here, yeah. 14 here, one here. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a difficult balance, right? Because, yeah. again, like BYU, it's so cool that they do yes. this. Yes, it's, it's a different guy every night, but I, I understand where you're going with that. The one thing that is a little bit concerning that BYU relied so heavily on and they made it like their mantra was, we're going to shoot threes. And they have pinpointed, we want to get up 35 three-point attempts every game. That has not been the case, especially over the last three games. There's been this three-point shooting regression. And Mark Pope mentioned to me specifically after the Kansas State game, like, yeah, I don't like that we now two games in a row, we, we haven't really hit that number. And then UCF... It was kind of weird because it was all foul shots. Yeah. Like, that one didn't feel as extreme because, like, well, we took 46 free throws, and so we didn't need to take 35 threes. Frankly, we couldn't because they just kept fouling us. But there's still, like, this trend of BYU's not attempting as many threes as they want to. Let's go back to Sean Farnham. Does he feel that concern because he's a guy that is okay with maybe BYU fine in different ways? Listen to him. I was very critical, if you remember the first time I came on with you guys, talking about their their reliance upon the three-point shot and that they had to find other ways to score. They have done an outstanding job of that. Now, part of that is because teams are closing out so hard at the three-point line. What that's doing is a little, a little turn down the three and let's drive and attack and, and get fouled and get to the line. And that's the way to manufacture points. So it's interesting because the identity, again, of this BYU team is, man, they shoot threes. They're one of the best shooting three-point teams in the country, and they attempt more than most teams in the country. BYU should not go away from this and allow defenses to continue to hound the three-point line because guess what, Jason? It's allowing the Cougars to find different ways to get spacing on the floor and score layups. So, I, I mean, while I'd like to see BYU get back to more of that trend of attempting at least 33-pointers, I don't think it's maybe as big of a concern as some are thinking that it really is. Look, and it started with that Texas game where BYU came out and showed that they are more than just a three-point shooting team, and it really took the Longhorns by surprise with how much BYU was attacking the rim. And since then, now now you've put doubt in the opposition that all you're going to do is three. They have to guard everything. It, it, It was a brilliant move. And BYU's been able to use that to its advantage. But I also, this team is built for threes. 
So I don't have a problem if they want to take it. Knowing that they have the other option, if the three isn't sure. falling, I'm perfectly fine taking the threes. If it's not going, we, we know what they can do. Option 1A should remain 35 three-pointed yeah, I have no problem That's with that. option 1A. Yep. If it becomes a thing where the team's just taking it away again and again and again and again, then 1B has proven more often than not that it's okay to find other ways. And that is a credit to BYU and the staff and the players for executing that game plan. All right, if you want more uh, BYU hoops, how about turning into BYU basketball with Mark Pope tonight? Player guests, Townsend Triple, Trayton Christensen, Tanner Hayhurst, and Jared McGregor tonight at 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Yo, let's get the walk on some love, huh? You think Jared feels bad that his first name doesn't start with a T? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until this very Triple, moment. Triple, Trayton, Tanner, and Jared. Up next. Love you, Jared. We recap. Tuesdays win, speaking of T, with assistant coach Nick Robinson and ask him what BYU needs to focus on over the final seven to get NCAA locked. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, once again over in the Cougar Council Room alongside Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to the MMA pro, Andrew Mickelson. It's no longer amateur hour here, Andrew. That's right. It's out the, that's out the window, baby. That's right. That's you, are, you are an official pro. How does it feel to be a pro and to win your first professional MMA fight? It feels good. I think a lot of it feels pretty similar to uh, the same kind of pressure and nerves of an amateur fight, but at least this time you're getting paid for, for all of the, the weight cutting and the training that you're doing. <laughs> so that part is definitely an added bonus. The that's paycheck. Nice. Yeah. The level of competition is actually quite a bit higher between amateurs and pros as well, but, um, but it feels good. Take us through what it takes to make that jump from, from the amateur ranks now to the professional ranks. What goes into that? Yeah, um, a lot of it just depends on kind of your record, your body of work as an amateur, how you've performed, who you've beaten. Um, you know, the number of fights you've taken, and then also being marketable enough for uh, promotion to see value in paying you. Um, you know, if you're somebody that has put together a good body of work and somebody that uh, they feel like has reached kind of a level where it's, it's a good ROI for them, they want, they want to do a contract with you where they're willing to pay you, then, then you start fielding offers and, and hearing hearing what opportunities come your way and just say yes. I like Fierce Fighting Championship. They're based out of Salt Lake. Um, obviously nice to fight in the Maverick Center the night before the fight, sleep sure. in my own bed rather than traveling across the country. Um, and also it's just great to have friends and family to be able to come and fight in, fight in Salt Lake City, fight in our backyard. So, Well, in the light of increasing sponsorships and attention, how quickly do those conversations evolve? And how many sponsors are you involved with, trying to get involved with to make you feel like, okay, this is, this is a real thing for me? Yeah, handful of sponsors, always, always looking for more, obviously. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to partner with businesses that I really love their product. McAfee is also still involved. I was going to ask yes, you. Yes, we wanted to ask. For yeah. the brand is still with you. Yeah, uh, it was kind of funky timing because my fight was the night before Super Bowl Sunday. So obviously, 
him and his team were, were super busy and swamped. They didn't tune into the fight, um, but, but we've had follow-up since the fight and since the Super Bowl Sunday craziness has kind of died down. Um, but yeah, some other local brands here that I'm working with, it's, it's been a good ride. So I am fascinated by the training aspect and, and just what goes into preparing yourself for whatever level you are, just to be able to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. what, what, is a, what is a training regiment like on a daily basis, and especially leading up to a fight? I would say leading up to a fight, one of the biggest things is being aware of your weight cut and how you make sure that you are getting the maximum out of each training session. You wanna make sure that your body is performing at a high level. You've got great output in your training sessions and in practice while also balancing um, trying to manage a weight cut. Yeah. So there's a, a science to it. Luckily, we're very fortunate to have coaches that have been in the game a long time. Um, one of my coaches and training partners is Court McGee. He's a longtime UFC vet. Um, and we happen to fight in the same weight class. And out of camp, we walk around about a similar weight. And so it's really awesome to, to have a resource like that. Um, as well as our other coaches on staff to kind of help, you know, manage a weight cut, yeah. but also maximize our, our training sessions. I would say that's the biggest difference between uh, what I'm doing now versus what I was experiencing at BYU, where we got to get in the weight room and lift like goons and, and yeah. then hit training table and, and just, <laughs> it was all about packing the weight on and yeah. just being big. But uh, now it's, it's about maximizing your output while also trying to get to the weight you're contracted to fight at. And do you do, do you do one long training session? Do you break it up where you go for a couple of hours, then you take a little bit of a break and then you come back in the afternoon and do, how, how does that part of it work? Well, I also have to balance the family and work obligations. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, yeah just those two little things. Um, <laughs> So obviously have demands on the professional work side outside of fighting and then also have a wife and two little kids. So my wife and I have worked out that I have a training budget um, <laughs> to how many, how many sessions I can get in a week and still have it be reasonable where I feel like I'm getting enough hours in the gym, yeah. enough hours in training, sparring, drilling, whatever I need, but also I uh, feel like I'm taking care of business on the home front as well. So for me, it's uh, three to four training sessions a week, usually about two hours each session. And then I'll run or, or do stuff in the morning as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll go into the gym early in the morning as well. So. Former BYU football player and kicker, now MMA pro, Andrew Mickelson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you are dealing with some high emotions and family. And I know you've joked like, man, I had to talk my wife into this. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a moving target for sure. With increased success, naturally comes the desire to want to, to do this more. And so what, what kind of pace are you hoping for um, now that you are in the pro ranks? How many fights do you want? Like, yeah. what is the goal in, in this for the next year or two? You know what? I found that the, the longer I've been involved with the sport, I feel like uh, my ceiling continues to get a little higher. And so for me, being a natural competitor, being somebody who loves the sport, I, I'm really passionate about it and get a lot of fulfillment out of it. I want to kind of see where that ceiling is, but I also have realistic expectations too, right? Um, you know, I've got things 
outside of fighting professionally that, that I want to achieve and, and then the family thing, right? But, um, you know, I, it started out as a bucket list thing. Just take one legit sanctioned MMA fight and then, uh, and then be able to brag that I did it. And now here we are nine you, fights in. You, you've done it and now you're a pro <laughs> and you've won the majority of them. Right. And so the trajectory, fortunately, I feel very lucky, but the trajectory has been very good for me. And um, so I'm anxious to see how that trajectory continues. And, um, and obviously just want to make sure I got the support on the home front to, to pursue it as far as I can. Do you have another fight lined up? Is that, you, is that, that far ahead right now? Um, no, but I'm, I mean, that, that night after, after my win, the, promo, the promoter was right in our locker room talking to me about, hey, Naturally. so uh, when are you ready to get back in? How active do you want to be in the next 12 months? We'd love to get you, you know, as many as you can, three, four fights this year if, if that's doable. Um, obviously just coming out of the cage, just like getting my hand wrappings off. I'm sort of just kind of coming off of the adrenaline rush. And so I'm totally gung ho, like get me back in. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in reality, it, you know, you have to have that conversation with the coaches. You have to have that conversation with your wife. You have to see what uh, fights are available, what opponents they're looking to line you up with and make sure that, um, that it, it makes sense on all fronts. So. Congratulations on handling the nerves, the increased attention, and maintaining just the winning formula. Like it's been a wild ride for you. Yeah, S super cool. Yeah. So congratulations on all of that. Now it's been cool, and I appreciate BYU and your support. It's been <laughs> go. fun. Let's yeah. go. Now we just need to take uh, what you're doing and hand that to BYU football, who have been tabbed at four and a half wins this season. So. Oh, let's I think on. that's disrespect. Let's go. On. I think let's, they're going to blow that out it. of the water. Yep. Let's yep. use it. Yep. Yeah. And I'm trying to recruit some old BYU football alumni to come join me in the gym. Okay. So let's go, man. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we'll do our part. However, we can help. That's in that right. Regard. That's right. Andrew, great to have Thanks, you Andrew. on the show. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Up next on BYU Sports Station, speaking of the line of four and a half, where would you set it for the Cougars in 2024 on the gridiron? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It's Top 5 Tuesday, and wouldn't you know, BYU men's basketball has five Big 12 wins on the season, so let's rank them from Number five to one. Number five, BYU beat West Virginia in Morgantown, 86-73. Uh, West Virginia beating Kansas and Texas at home. BYU goes in there and wins. Boost, 24-9. It was awesome. Downhill, 12 assists in that game. Richie Saunders, Jackson Robinson hit a bunch of threes. Nice road win for the Cougs, number five. At number four, you just witnessed it. BYU taking down Kansas State. The same week that Kansas State upset Kansas. BYU up 17 late, had to hold on and win by 6, 72, they, 66. They let us back in the game. Yeah, well... Drum That's tang. my drum tang. Drum tang <laughs> took a big L back to Manhattan, Kansas. He's, he's a fun dude. Jackson Robinson with a run. huge three late to help seal the win for BYU. Number three, BYU beat Texas by 12, 84-72. Cougar shot a season high 64%. Ooh. Season low, seven threes, didn't need it. Five players in double figures. Noah Waterman, Jackson Robinson, seven points each. BYU dominated the paint, outscoring Texas by 14. Wow, that's number three. What's number two? How about 
A quad one road win. Tier A game according to Ken Palm. 18th ranked BYU with their first ever Big 12 win. They do so at UCF, 63-58. BYU's defense was stifling that Saturday. Ali Khalifa had a breakout game with 17 points. Trevin Nell knocked down four threes. Mark Pope's 100th career win. And the top win in Big 12 play so far, beating Iowa State 87-72. That's a top 10 net win to this day. I will say it's a top 10 team right now. You exploded for 48 points in the second half. Spencer Johnson, career high 28. BYU hit 13 threes. BYU led by as many as 24 in the second half. To beat Iowa State by 15 is something. I'll take wins of one plus, Spence. Our question of the day, does BYU need to go 2-0 this week to finish 500 or better in the Big 12? Sure yes. feels like it. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Kevin Lunt on Instagram who says, no. Just win the other games. <laughs> it's that simple, Thank right? you. Yeah, Sean Farnham agrees. Yeah, he says Sean Farnham probably. No, not that. Just, just win the other games. Did he really say yes. Sean Farnham? Yeah, Sean Farnham probably. <laughs> All right, a special rise and shout-out today presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Marcus Adams Jr.'s uh, dad had a heart attack last week and passed away. Our thoughts and prayers are with Marcus. He is with his family uh, at this time, of course. Marcus Royce Adams Sr., uh, just really thinking about the Adams family. That is a difficult situation. Life is precious, Spence. My gosh. I, we know the, the Warriors assistant coach recently, someone in my wards, dad, this happened to. Let's cherish each other while we have them because we don't know when we won't. So Ab our thoughts absolutely. and prayers with the Adams. Now, if anybody in the Marcus Adams family sees this, absolutely. we love you and we support you. And uh, we're so excited that Marcus is a part of BYU basketball. Absolutely. All right. Our prayers are with you. And our thanks to today's guests, Jake Toulson and Lauren Gustin. Fun to talk to them. We're out of time for Dennis. Conversation continues on BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. We'll see you tonight for BYUSN Countdown at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go Kooks! The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Projection. Beats his man, lays it off the window. Wow, that looked good. Oh, Ali Atiki. Knock it down. Up and under. Oh, he just made a 30-footer. Just survive. Find a way. As ugly as it is, if you win the game, you win the game. And BYU does just that. 90 to 88. Yeah, who had that on their bingo card last night for BYU and UCF? What? 90 88. That's not even the strangest number. Speaking of the final score, it's not even close. So let's dive into it. Jerem, which number or numbers best tell the story of last night's BYU victory? <laughs> I can't stand that game last night. That was terrible. It was off two and a half hours, two hours and Don't steal my numbers. Sorry. 2.32 is the time of the game. 72 free throws, 46 fouls. I could not be limited to one number, Spence. How about 40 makes, by the way? Ties BYU reckon. Mm -hmm. Those are the numbers that tell the story of the game. The length of time, the free throws, the fouls. Ah, it was terrible. But to BYU's credit, they played into the aggression of UCF. If BYU kind of got passive and wanted to milk clock down the stretch or just take contested threes, BYU would have potentially lost this game. But this BYU team played into the aggression, got to the free throw line, 
and made free throws. 40 made free throws. 46 free throw attempts, tied for sixth most in BYU history. BYU did a great job of getting to the line and finishing at the line. Uh, it's a shot you gotta, you gotta knock down. BYU shot great from the line, specifically Jackson Robinson. He wins the game for BYU down the stretch. He goes 12 of 13. He goes 9 of 10, mm. finishing with nine makes in a row to win for BYU. If he doesn't just snip a ton of those, BYU might lose because UCF was making crazy shots. You're bringing, you're bringing in dudes that had five points in Big 12 play. They're making back-to-back threes for UCF. It's like, it was crazy. So well done by BYU to, to get into this game and make free throws because you know who has the fewest percentage of points from the free throw line in the country? Brigham Young. But last night, that'll help. Really help that average. I'll check that in a second <laughs> while you're talking. But, um, yeah, those are, those are some of the numbers that really stick out. In a game where I know people are kind of talking, there's this narrative, Spence, again, and we played into it, 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 which is, oh, they almost blew it again. They almost blew it again. But they didn't blow it. They did not blow it. They won the game. Does it mean later BYU is going to lose uh, to perhaps better competition in a similar situation? I don't know. I like that BYU gets double-digit leads. I don't like that they lose them, but they're getting them, and it gives them a little room to lose said lead. They're winning so, most and they're winning of them. The game. Okay, BYU in eight of the eleven conference games, they have uh, got in. Well, nine of the eleven, it's been nine plus, and BYU has won. Uh, you know, six of those. How about BYU? I'm good with that. It's fine. How about BYU's won six of the last nine Big 12 games? Remember when BYU yeah. started 0 and two? And two and four. Now they've won six of the last nine in the Big 12. One of the hotter teams in the league right now? With a chance to win seven of ten if they can beat Oklahoma State. But we'll get there in a moment. I was talking with our good friend Greg Rubel last night after the game. And he said, the game just went into bizarro world. And I was like, that's an apt description of what happened, especially over the final few minutes. Because with, I think, two and a half minutes to play, UCF had made two three-pointers <laughs> the entire two 17 the entire game. <laughs> they yeah. made five three-pointers in the last two minutes, and that pushed their second half total to 62. UCF scored 62 points in a half. This is not a team that scores. This is a team that scored 59 total points against BYU in their first matchup. They beat that in the second half. Mark Pope said, and I agree with him 100%, they will never replicate that again this season, maybe not ever, where they score 62 points and a half. And you gave them too much credit. It was actually 58 in Orlando. Oh, it you was I mean? 58. So like, maybe, even oh, maybe, they scored, maybe they scored 59 against Texas Tech the game before. There you go. Regardless, they they're in the high 50s in those two games. They do not score. Yeah. But it just it got so weird. It got weird. But BYU, to their credit, kept making free throws. It yeah. required BYU to make yep. a plentiful amount of pressure-packed free throws, and they kept doing it. So for me, I love that BYU, especially the game after they go 10 for 21 from the free throw line against Kansas State, they go 40 for 46, and you mentioned the 40 makes ties a program record. This game was ugly. It was disjointed. It had no flow. There were two flagrant fouls. There was an intentional foul. There were so many reviews. The game took forever. Ever. Yeah. Normally the game ends around. I'm not kidding because I host the post game show. I'm staring at the clock. Like uh, 9:05. 858. 8:58. Typically okay. the over/under is 8:58 for me. It ended at like 9:32. 
It's like, it was a half an hour longer than most games go. I And it didn't go into overtime. Full disclosure, my number one goal after the game is to get to Chipotle before 10 o'clock. That's when they close. Yeah, that wasn't happening To get last some night. chips and queso. <laughs> and as soon as we cross that threshold to where we're going to run into that, it riles me up a little bit. So, UCF, what's going on? No, uh, Greg tweeted this morning, UCF, first team to shoot 50% or better against BYU this mm-hmm. season. First team to make 30 shots. Um, third opponent with 10-plus steals. Well, they shot 50% because I swear they had like 11 dunks. They had a lot that, of dunks. That helps your field goal percentage, especially when BYU yeah. had that weird stretch of six turnovers and six possessions. And UCF went on a 12-0 or 12-1 run in a minute and 57 seconds. They had like two of those, right? They had one in the first, one in the second. BYU answered the runs, though. Jackson Robinson had a really nice finish to the end of the first half. How about Trevin Hill's start to the game? How about Dallin Hall's oh, Dallin. six points in a row response? Dallin Hall was so good. 10-5-5 five five and five for Dallin, only one turnover. When Dallin Hall doesn't have the ball, BYU tends to turn it over a little more. They, he needs to have the ball in his hand in the press a little more. I know he's given it up to try and make the pass to advance it. But when Dallin Hall loses the ball, then problems started to happen. Noah Waterman, spectacular again, 17-9. and nine. When he's not sick, he's awesome. Hey, it's hard to play through that, right? Jackson Robinson, game high 21. Uh, Trevenel, 17, 10 of 13 from the line. Mm. Three dudes shot 10-plus free throws for BYU, which is wild. Now, I am concerned about the trend of giving up a lot of points in the second half to certain teams. BYU's done this a couple of times, notably in four of the five losses. It's been 47-plus. A season high 62 allowed in the second half. Not good. Yet you win, so that's a positive. But, yeah, that trend certainly isn't good, especially when you're going to play better teams. Not this week, Oklahoma State, but, like, Baylor at Kansas State at Kansas. Certainly you cannot afford to have those kind of uh, second-half lulls defensively and expect to win. So, But it's not about Saturday. It's not about next Tuesday. It's about the fact that you won this game in spite of of how mucky it was. And again, BYU played into the aggressiveness to get to the line. That is how BYU won. That is the, the biggest positive for me is BYU didn't, oh, no, what are we going to do? Ah, we turned it over six times. Get to the free throw line and make free throws. Dallin Hall sparked that when BYU was in a funk multiple occasions, particularly in the last 10 to 12 minutes of the game. He would make a play. He would make a pass. He's taking it to the rack. He's scoring himself. Not like, turning it over is omissively good as well. One turnover all game. I, I'm telling you what, do not take him for granted. Dallin Hall is a special player for BYU. They are a different team. My favorite number of all after last night is the fact that BYU is one game over 500 in Big 12 play in mid-February. Which is topic two. So now that they are, and they're in the top half of the standings. Cue the graphic. Mm. Now what? Now it's on to Oklahoma State. Oh, look, left side, left side. And BYU tied with TCU in sixth right now. This is the highest they have been in the conference standings. We're coming for you, date. Kansas. <laughs> Wildly, BYU was just a half game behind the Kansas Jayhawks. Wow. And only two games back of first place, Houston. The numbers for BYU at Oklahoma State line up for the Cougars as a heavy favorite. You gotta win, you gotta win that game. BYU can get to seven and five on Saturday, and then you see what kind of momentum they have yep. when they come home for a very, very tough Baylor game, and then the two road games at Kansas State and at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yesterday you and I discussed if BYU can beat Oklahoma State, get seven and five, do and that. then just win one of the next three, one. they're still above five hundred. 
at eight and seven going into the final three games of Big 12 play. Where you need to win two With two, two home games, one against a good TCU team and one more against Oklahoma State and then a road trip to Iowa State, which just feels like just. after what BYU did to Iowa State in Provo, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, the fans <laughs> are just going to be absolutely brutal Richie on BYU. Saunders going to get it, dude. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely going to get it. Dude. Iowa State legitimately could win the conference. They are that they good. Got, yeah. They're right there with Houston. They're tied with Houston at 8-3. and three. But point is, beat Oklahoma State, win one of the next three, you're 8-7, and seven, and then if you can win – Two of the final three, Jeremy, you are 10 and 8. And just maybe 10 and 8 is good enough for fifth or sixth place in the Big 12, which would be incredible. I would love to be that in the Big 12 tournament, which is super tough. You come in on Wednesday, right? You um, avoid a first-round game. Yeah. Stay out of the Top 11 four. to 14 situation. Yeah. I would like to play 11 or 14. But what I don't want to play is UCF again, by the way. Oh, just a little, like both games were down to the wire, tough, hard. Or grueling. Cincinnati, for that matter. And Cincinnati and UCF are right do, around that 10 11 spot. Who do we want to play? I don't, we haven't seen Oklahoma Probably State. Probably West Virginia on a neutral side. West Virginia is a totally different team away from home. And they're, BYU is a <sighs> yeah, bad they, matchup for West Virginia. They still intimidate me a little bit. Like, they just have, like, oh man, they have some skill there with, with Every team is tough. Everybody. No doubt about it. Yeah. When you have a dude who goes with his first name on the back of his jersey, I'm just like, what's going on there? What's your Kirk Creesa is goes with Kerr on the back? I'm like, what is your story? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. The opportunity for BYU is big time. You've got to win at Oklahoma State. Bryce Thompson tore his labrum, one of the leading scores for Oklahoma State. They've been without him the last couple of games. They're still figuring that out. And they were struggling with him. So go and beat that team. It's another uh, homecoming for Jackson Robinson, by the way. Uh, he's from like two hours south in Ada, Oklahoma. So I'll have a ton of fans there. Hopefully that's a, a good game. Kind of struggled out at Oklahoma. But this team continues to grow. I think, by the way, last night's game in the WCC, that BYU somehow loses that game. Mm. Like, I think BYU's become a hardened, toughened, stronger team. Yeah, the with battle the challenge test, of right? the Big 12. They could handle a game like that. Now, granted, being at home was everything last night. I think if BYU plays that game on the road, that it's tougher to win. You're not getting the line 46 times on the road. Oh, and that doesn't happen. UCF, like, the home team is not <laughs> gonna out, you know, shoot way fewer than you like that. Being at home led to 46 free throw attempts. That's part of the deal. Wasn't it UCF Allingham? I'm telling you, being at home, you get a few more calls. It's just how it works, right? For everybody. So good on BYU to not surprise us yet outside of Cincinnati, remember? Well, negatively. That's the only surprise. We haven't had any of these classic Pacific, Pepperdine, Portland weird games in the past. There's only yet. one that really could be out there, and it's at Oklahoma State. At Oklahoma State could get weird. Home Oklahoma State could get weird. But at West Virginia could have very well been that. At UCF, if BYU had lost that, we would have been like, well, first big trail. To BYU's credit, they've shown up in a lot of these games. And that was – like. I know UCF's not like the strongest team ever. That's a big-time win, given the stakes, given the opportunity for BYU to be a high seed, potentially, in the NCAA tournament. You have to finish games like that. They went up 19. They didn't blow the lead. They, won. they almost did. If you're scared by margins, then I don't know what to tell you. But BYU survived a 62-point second half by a team. It, it took when insane, has that happened? It took an insane barrage of just wild three-point shots and bounces. and It was crazy. It's not good. I've never seen anything like that. I hope not to again. 
That, that's, that's just so uncommon. It is almost impossible to score as many points as BYU and UCF did combine in the last two minutes of that game. It was like they, they combined yeah, for like 27 points in the final two minutes. <laughs> yeah, what, no, I'm gonna what, what in the world? Last two? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I want to say it was like 27 points combined for in the last two minutes. That is in, it's just an insane number. Okay, <laughs> It's never going to happen again. Well, at least not for a very long time. I'll never say never, but there were so many. What if I told you it was 31 points? It was 31! <laughs> it was 31 points! I only had it at 27. It was, uh, no, 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 sorry, 20, no, 29. Okay, 29. Points. 29. That is a stupid amount of points. Yeah. That's not... When, when UCF has, scored 19 themselves. When has that happened, and when will that happen again? It is so uncommon. Yeah. So people are like, oh, they delayed, went away again. Like, it, it took something just absurd it was from crazy. UCF yes. to make that happen, and BYU still won the game. Like, UCF never took the lead. They never tied it. Yeah. They just BYU that, led the entire way. BYU was up nine late, and it was a good thing they were up nine late because they needed all of it, right? BYU never trailed in the game. But they kept making pressure free throws. Yep. Win the game, yep. and they did. Question of the day. <laughs> what do you love most about BYU sports right now? Uh-huh. In the spirit of Valentine's Day. Rogue Mark on X says, I love the Big 12 Conference. Amen. Win or lose, no more independence slash West Coast Conference <laughs> unless your foos is Jersey. <laughs> the interactions with so fans funny. from the conference have been great. Yeah. This past year has definitely been so much more enjoyable than the previous 12 plus. Well, I have Pioneer Settlement Theory, which is... Initially, everyone's cool with it, and then eventually they get stirred up a little bit. I think in like year three, four, five, you, we'll start to get like, oh, wait, now I'm annoyed by XYZ, <laughs> like the honeymoon's over. That will happen later, but um, it's, it's very fun. This whole experience has been enjoyable, obviously because BYU's winning, but the fan bases of the other teams have been great. Until next year, when a couple teams, uh, one team in particular enters, who thinks they will dominate <laughs> <laughs> Not in basketball. Uh, no, although we can't talk. We sadly lost. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, <laughs> and Instagram. We're coming in the league, Spence! What, what do you love most about BYU sports right now? Shut up, Daryl. Long Darryl. live the rivalry. Shut up, Daryl. Yeah, Remember, you, the Big 12 doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. We haven't busted out Daryl in a while. <laughs> the, the annoying Utah fan. Yeah, <laughs> but Cam Rice is going to win the Heisman. Hey, we have a 7 wow. quarterback, too. Let's go. Okay. BYU Basketball with Mark Popes tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Coming off a nice win against UCF at Oklahoma State on Saturday. Join the program tomorrow night on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. Up next, ESPN Sean Farnham makes his return. What stood out to him from that strange, unique, bizarre win by BYU last night? What's his most telling number? And what's the realistic ceiling for the Cougars in the Big 12? This is BYUSN. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back inside Studio B. We are live with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play alongside the great Kristen Kozlowski. My name is Jason Shepard, and we are happy to have the head coach of the BYU women's basketball program joining us, Amber Whiting. Coach, always good to see you. How are Thank you? Thank you. Good, good. Thank you. So winning's, uh, winning's pretty fun, isn't it? Takes care of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, th- this team's having a lot of fun, and, and they're having fun because they're playing really good basketball right now. 
Yeah, no, they, I mean, they love each other. They're out there and they play for each other. And so when, the, you know, it's fun to see them get hyped on certain plays and whatnot. So yeah, I like, it's fun to coach them too. You've had a couple big wins. Baylor, UCF, Cincinnati on the road. What's been the biggest key to your success for that stretch? Um, I think just them believing in themselves. Because we as coaches believed in them. Um, and it was just like how to get over that last hump. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, you're in all these games. What is going to put them over the hump? And I just, you know, dove into like believing in each other, believing in themselves. And so I think they, that's what turned the corner. I don't know. It was crazy. You know, when you think about how long the season is, it can obviously be a grind. And then when you take into account all of the <clears throat> off-season training and getting ready, you know, you, you get to this point of the year and you've been playing and coaching and doing all these things for a really, really long time. And there's always going to be peaks and valleys. Where have you seen the biggest growth from your team from the start of the year to now, you know, getting towards the end of the regular season? Um, I think chemistry and just being able to know what each other's doing all the time. Um, we didn't have a couple girls in the summer because of injuries or coming back from them. And then, you know, our rosters changed a lot in the meantime. And so they've stuck together through all those ups and downs. And I think just the chemistry and um, knowing where each other's at on the court and knowing what each other does well and playing to those strengths and those weaknesses. To piggyback off that, I, I on what Jason said, your backcourt, your true freshmen that are leading you right now, I've been so incredibly impressed with their composure, their calmness out there on the court. Where have you seen the biggest growth with those two players? Um, I think their decision-making. I know that uh, there was a couple early games on where I wanted one shot and I yelled at Amari like one, and it just didn't happen that way. She, you know what I mean? So now it's to the point where they both understand time and score. The clock's our friend at certain points in the game. You know, we get a steal. We don't need to force it down their throats. We can back it out, get a better shot. Uh, just those types of decision makings down the stretch, I think, have been a huge growth in their both their games. I think it's been it's been fun to to go on the road and with this team, and it's been interesting that. When we go on the road, when whether it's the opposing play-by-play -play or anybody asking uh, about the team, they, they all want to ask about Lauren. They're like, T tell me a little bit more about Lauren. Like, they're all enamored with the numbers mm -hmm. that she's putting up. And we certainly know how great she is, and she's 80 career double-doubles. What makes her so productive and so, um, you know, so skilled at what she does? I think her desire, like she just has that motor and it's nothing that I do. It is all her and she just wants it, you know? And so, and she holds herself to a very high standard and she's always accountable for that. Um, last time we played Kansas, we walked out and first thing she says, I'm sorry, coach, like she didn't play her best game, you know? And so when I think granted, she had a double, double that game. Right. So, but to, but to put her in that limelight and just know that she's going to go get it every night every night and then everybody else can just kind of follow suit. Well, you've got your big three that we've talked a little bit about already and the two freshmen and then Gustin, but has there been anybody else on this roster that surprised you at this point in the season? Um, I think everybody has been playing their role really, really well. Um, I think Smiler, she's a knockdown shooter, but she also defends like crazy. Um, and you go down the you go down the line like Emma. She had that crazy stretch against Baylor. Like I mean, that was insane for her to come in. I think she scored 14 points in 13 minutes, something like that. Um, Davenport Rose has stepped into starting lineup like and done really well for us. And so I think every single person on our roster plays their role. And that's what I love about this group is they know what they're good at. And they try to play to that strength and do what's best for us.
Yeah, and I think that you, you've got to have buy-in from the players to do that mm-hmm. because, like you said, you've had you've had players that will go a ten-game stretch as a starter, and then you're going to need them to play in in a in a backup role coming off the bench. But if you don't have that buy-in, it doesn't work. But you've had that, and I I think that's I think that's really helped this team be able to get to the point that they are this season. I just talk to him. I'm just open and honest, and we have communication where I can sit him down and say, okay, this is what I need from you. This is where we're at, and explain the whys of it. And I feel like they just buy into it. It's really nice. I mean, credit to them, all of them. Okay, as you turn the page now to look at Kansas coming in here. They've won four straight, kind of a little bit on a roll. Jackson was a handful last game. As a coach, strategically, what's the difference going into this game, game plan, and where the team's at? Um, well, we watched our game film, we watched their last couple games, and just to see like where some of their weaknesses are too, right? Um, and to change things up on our end defensively because she just had her way with us, and we can't do that again. Um, I think Emma got in foul trouble real quick, and so it changed what we were going to do. And so I think hopefully going into this and playing at home, that could help us too. Is, as Kristen mentioned, you know, Tiana Jackson, she had the 25 points, 22 rebounds, 5 blocks, and, and, a lot, and so much of what she was doing and why she was successful was getting second chance opportunities. She was getting offensive rebounds. How much of a focus is that specifically limiting the second chance points, specifically with her, but just in general? I mean, it's huge. We played um, a stretch of zone and we got stops, but we didn't rebound out yeah. of it. And so we got a rebound out of it if we can play a zone, right? Um, but she just, she was a monster that game. She had a... Um, I don't know. She had just a motor that didn't quit yeah. that game. And so we have to take care of her first and foremost. But then they have some other really good players that we have to lock down too. And so it's not just one player. That's why they're so effective and playing so well right now is they're just very balanced. So we have to make sure we're staying true to the defensive strategy that we line out. Do you anticipate the return <clears throat> of the bat? <laughs> out, out in Lawrence, Kansas, oh. you had this bat that appeared in the gym, in the arena, that for about crazy. a five-minute stretch, right, in that second quarter. So tell us how that played out and what that was like as a coach. Um, well, honestly, I feel like it kind of loosened our girls up. Like, they were laughing a little bit at it, you know, and they just kind of – and then when, you know, it went away – well, I, didn't, I don't know if it even went away. They didn't catch it, but we just – uh, watching, watching everybody that, try and catch like, it was crazy. great no it was funny um, but then they kind of loosened up a little bit and then we went on a run and it kind of helped us I mean so yeah the bat that was insane I've never seen that in my life maybe some good luck a little bit of good <laughs> the luck good luck right? bat well, so <laughs> yeah. now at the time so I'm on the air and I, you, as you mentioned they never caught it and ultimately play resumes but I saw that the referees were talking with with you two head coaches and I was wondering like is this game going to have to stop? Is this, is this like a, a hazard, having this thing even around? And so they told me after the game that you, it was really up to you two coaches if the game was going to be halted for a while, if you were going to play. What, is that basically how that went down? Yeah, they just asked us what we wanted to do, and we said, like, as long as it's away from the players, like, let's play. You know, like, we don't want to stop the game. And so they said if it ever flew down close again, then they would stop it, chase it out again, because they never caught it. For what we heard, it did hit the freshman for yeah. Kansas, right? It hit in the my hit Nichols. Nichols. Yes. yes. <laughs> but no yeah, BYU player was affected. No. Nat said it had landed like on the benches, a couple of benches up from us, behind us. <laughs> I didn't even wild. know what was going on. I know. It was, I was wild. It's crazy. Yeah. What's been your um, – we, we spent so much time leading into this season talking about the, the new journey into the Big 12. What, what, has, what has this journey been like so far for, for you and the team? Um, it's everything that I expected as far as like 
Um, the teams are hard. They're tough. They are very different. They play very hard. They, I don't know, just like the coaches you go up against, their strategies, you know, like everything's, everything's what I thought it would be. But night in, night out, like the grind on the players' bodies is what I was, you know, like a little bit, like wasn't prepared for. And so we've tried to manage their bodies along the way during practice, you know. Um, and I thought I'd be a lot deeper too than what I am. Um, but it's, it's fun. I'm not going to lie. It is so fun to go out there every night and just be able to fight the best. And so to be able to play, I mean, I don't know how many teams we have ranked now this week. What is that? Four or five something. But you get that every night out, a chance to knock off the ranked teams. And so that's what's fun about it. I love it. Well, Coach, thank you for being with us. Best yep. of luck tomorrow as you, you look for your fourth win tomorrow against Kansas. And you can catch that game tomorrow live on BYU TV at 6 Eastern. It'll be on the Big 12 now, ESPN Plus, and BYU Radio. Yeah, we uh, obviously want to make sure we give the uh, the BYU Sports Nation karma to Coach Whiting and the team as they get ready to take on the Jayhawks. All right, since it's NBA All-Star Weekend, we'll pick which all-time BYU players we'd like to see in a dunk and three-point shooting contest. That's coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU game, Puka Nakua with Michael Irvin, of course, the awards, Andy Reid celebrating the Super Bowl, just some of the imagery of a, a great weekend for BYU sports. The Gatorade bath, fantastic for Mr. Reid, the GOAT right now in the NFL. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer, he is Jerem. Let's roll out just a massive amount of headlines after a busy weekend. Number 21 men's basketball beat Kansas State 72-66 on Saturday to improve to 17-6 on the season. 5-5 five five in league. Jackson Robinson three in the final minute was the game-winning bucket. Viewing number eight in the net, 12 in Ken Palm after the win. Cougars host UCF tomorrow night. Will BYU be ranked in the top 25 still? That poll out later today. I would think so. Women's basketball won their first ever Big 12 road game, beating Cincinnati 69-57. Second straight Big 12 win, their first ever win streak. They're 14-11 overall, now 4-8 in the Big 12. Maybe they make it three when they take on UCF tomorrow. Lauren Gustin, uh, 21 points, 20 rebounds. You know, just another 20-20 game. Thanks, Barbara Walter. Amazing stuff. Kaylee Wilson had 20 points as well. Andy Reid and the Chiefs beat Fred Warner and the Niners in the Super Bowl yesterday, 25-22 in OT. The win gives Andy Reid his third Super Bowl win. Amazing. Fred Warner led the Niners with 13 tackles and a PBU in the end zone, no less. Eighth-ranked BYU men's volleyball, as called by Jerem Jordan and Steve Vail, sweeping Long Island for a second straight match on Saturday. The Cougars 9-3 on the season. Capone Brown led BYU with 14 kills. Up next, BYU opening up. Federation play in the MPSF against Grand Canyon on Friday. Grand Canyon's undefeated number two. They might be number one. Beat today. the Lopes! Women's volleyball hires Daniel Jones as an assistant coach. Jones is a former head coach of Montana State. Spent last season at UNLV and notable previous stints at Utah and Utah Valley. BYU softball opens the season with a 5-0 mark. Running the table hey. at the Paradise Classic in oh. Hawaii. BYU beat Nevada most uh, on Friday, I should say, 8-0, thanks to two home runs from our girl, Violet Zavodnik. What an incredible player. Game one on Saturday in a rematch with UMKC. BYU won 3-0, thanks to a combined shutout 
from Gianna Mares and Chloe Temples. And in game two on Saturday against host Hawaii, BYU winning dramatically 3-2 thanks to a three-run homer in the seventh inning from Ilana Agbayani. Big time hit right there. Gymnastics took second place in a quad meet at number one Oklahoma Friday night. Season high 196-25. Let's go. Cougs are at Kentucky Friday. BYU track and field competing in both Seattle and New Mexico this weekend. In New Mexico, Sammy Oblad, Laney Jones, Annalise Hart, and Emily Ellis teamed up to break BYU's school record in the 4x400-meter relay. In Seattle, Megan Hunter ran the second-fastest time in the 800 in women's program history, and Sebastian Fernandez ran the third-fastest time in the 800 in men's program history. Men's tennis swept UC Davis twice over the weekend. Women's tennis went 1-1, one one, losing to Utah, beating Weber State. In swim and dive, the BYU men's team beats Utah thanks to pool records being broken from Brad Prolo in the 200-meter breaststroke, Jordan Tiffany in the 100 fly, and the 400 free relay. On the women's side, Mackenzie Long helped break two pool records. Long as a swimmer, I love that. Mm -hmm. In the 200 medley relay and the 100-meter breaststroke, but the women's team lost to the Utes. Number six, men's rugby. Huge win over the weekend at Cal, the big rival, 53 to 26. Nice Let's go. Former BYU football kicker Andrew Mickelson, congratulations to him. He won his pro MMA debut by submission on Saturday night. Those are today's headlines. Now we get to an accelerated edition of the Big 12 Basketball Roundup. Number four, Kansas took down number 13, Baylor, 64-61. 18th straight home win for the Jayhawks. That was big time. Baylor cut the lead late. Kansas holds on. It's going to be fun to see the Cougars in Allen Fieldhouse in a couple of weeks. Number five, Houston holds on against Cincinnati on the road. 67-62, Juwan Roberts had 20 points to lead the Cougs to that really, really tough win. Houston improves to eight and three in the league. They're in first place. Cincinnati falls to four and six in Big 12 play. Number 14, Iowa State, 71, TCU 59. Iowa State 14 and 0 at home. They are really good in Hilton Coliseum. Seven and three in league, TCU five and five. They host West Virginia tonight. Yeah, Iowa State's not the only team that has a hotel chain magic associated with their arena, right? It's actually not the hotel, but we'll act <laughs> like it is. It's just a guy named Hilton. It's true. Yeah. Number 23, Texas Tech beats UCF after the Knights rallied there, 66-59. The Red Raiders end their three-game losing streak with this win. They're 6-4 and four in Big 12 play and host number four Kansas tonight on Big Monday on ESPN. UCF also 4-6 and six in Big 12 play. You don't see a lot of blowouts in the Big 12. This was one with Texas and West Virginia, 94-58. to DeSue had 27. Ace Smith had 19. Passed Oscar Robertson, by the way, on the all-time scoring list. Fifth year, we need an asterisk in the books for the guys that get a fifth year. I'm not trying to discredit them. We just need to acknowledge those that didn't have an extra year. Uh, Texas 5-6 and six in the Big 12, West Virginia 3-7 and seven, plays at TCU today. Oklahoma didn't play particularly well, but they did enough to beat Oklahoma State 66-62. The Cowboys led with five minutes to go, but Oklahoma able to pull away thanks to some clutch free throw shooting. The Sooners now 6-5 and five in the Big 12, Oklahoma State falls to 2-7 and seven in conference. I always think about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups when I see the OSU logo. I don't know, is that, am I the only one <laughs> when I do that? That's it for the Big 12 Roundup. Now to the Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This video of the BYU student section, the Royal Cougars, The Rock, got some love from the Big 12 on Twitter, Doug Gottlieb as well. It's the best student section in the Big 12, right? We, we've gotten a taste yes. of this league. I think it's the best one. There are some incredible fan bases in this league, no question. Yeah. But when it comes to just isolating the student section, what's better than The Rock? 
It's the volume, it's the amount of people, it's the creativity, it's the- The buy-in, the sheer the size. gadgetry yes. of, is that the right word? Of the free throw defense, yes. if you will. Uh, the Rock's doing great work. Keep they're, it up. They're top of the list Keep as far as student sections go. In our super biased opinion. All right, as mentioned, Joe Flacco, the NFL Comeback Player of the Year for the Cleveland Browns, joined his friend Dennis Pitta and Austin Colley. We've made time for Dennis. At the BYU-Kansas State game on Saturday night. Listen to this from my conversation with the three of them, and then we'll react in a moment. But hey, I, I do want to say, how, how about Joe using the term we when talking about BYU sports right now? Yeah. He's been using it all night. He's a converted BYU fan. Joe, can we count on you to be a BYU basketball guy for the rest of forever? As long as I'm here and I'm with these guys, why not? I love it here. I, I actually have a cousin that goes to school here. So, you know, it's a family university. Here we go. Is one of us. One, one of us. us. Why can't Dennis pull his hands out of his pockets, by the way? That's all what good. was that? All good. I got to give him a hard time about something. Is Joe Flacco a pseudo BYU fan It's now? not pseudo. He's using we. He's one of us. Let's go. <laughs> BYU basketball's Mark Pope is coming up Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Cougar's going to have a big game with UCF at Oklahoma State coming up on the weekend as well. BYU baseball back to work this week. Hey. And we look ahead to year one of Big 12 hardball with head coach Trent Pratt and infielder Cooper Vest. This is BYU Sports Nation. It's baseball season. Ball already. Let's go. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your holiday headlines. Number 19 men's basketball survives UCF 90-88 in a wild game in the Marriott Center last night, low-lighted by 46 fouls, 72 free throws. Joey took advantage, however, tying a school record with 40 made free throws on 46 attempts. Jackson Robinson had a game-high 21 points on 12 of 13 from the line, 9 of 10 in the last minute from the free throw line. Joey's 18 and 6, 6 and 5 overall in the Big 12, first time above 500 at Oklahoma State Saturday. Women's basketball also beat UCF in Orlando. The Cougars have won three straight, final score 64-60. BYU didn't make a field goal in the last eight minutes and four seconds, but did enough to hang on. Lauren Gustin dominant again, the reigning Big 12 Player of the Week with 22 points and 15 rebounds. Kaylee Wilson added 18, Amari Whiting scored 11. BYU now 15 and 11 overall. They're five and eight in the Big 12 in ninth place and they've got some winnable games ahead, starting with Kansas in Provo on Saturday. BYU football is ranked 65th in ESPN's Bill Connolly uh, SP Plus rankings for the 2024 20, season. This is pre-spring, of course. Out of the new Big 12 teams, BYU 11th out of the 16. Connolly has BYU's offense 60th, defense 80th, and special teams 11th. Yahoo Sports reporter Ross Dellinger reported yesterday that the Big 12 will hold the conference's annual football media days in Viva Las Vegas this summer at the site of the Super Bowl, Allegiant Stadium. No specific dates, we should mention, have been announced as of yet, but it will take place in Vegas. Yeah, the new info is Allegiant Stadium specific. There you go. Yeah, Max Olsen had told us Vegas. So, hey, we've never been to Vegas to cover BYU anything. 
Women's soccer announced its spring schedule yesterday, highlighted by a close scrimmage against Utah Royals in March and a game against Utah Southfield in April. Those are today's headlines. Now let's get to the Big 12 Roundup. BYU not the only team doing work last night across this crazy conference. Number 12 Baylor started off uh, very well, Jerem. They're moving up the standings as well. 79-62 win over Oklahoma, who's number 25. Jaden Nunn, six threes, game high 27. Uh, Baylor tough at home, 13-1 overall. BYU 13-2, by the way, at home. 5-1 in league, one game back, a first at 7-4. Oklahoma 6-6 six six now in league play. Sean Farnham's number one team in his Big 12 power rankings, Iowa State. They win on the road 68-59. Remember, Cincinnati was a one and a half point favorite going into the game. Iowa State obliterates that line. Really? Wow. And now they're tied with Houston atop the conference at eight and three. The Cyclones playing some really good basketball. They outscored Cincinnati. This is Cincinnati, super athletic, tall, strong. They outscored the Bearcats 36-14 in the paint. Cincinnati drops to four and seven in league play. And again, that separation is starting to take place. That wraps up today's Big 12 Roundup. Now some opinions in a holiday edition of the Cougar Whip Round, presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Women's Hoops beat UCF last night, third straight win. Next two home games, uh, next two games are at home against Kansas and TCU. How much longer will the streak go? I think it's gonna go to five games. And I was talking with Trent Whiting after the Baylor game and I said, mm. hey, the schedule actually shapes up pretty nicely if BYU can just find a way to survive on the road, which they did against Cincinnati and now UCF. There's a real shot they could go on a nice little run here. It's three. I think it's going to be five before they have to go on the road and play at Iowa State, which is a really tough place to play. They don't really lose at home. They're tremendous there, and they sell it out. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think get to five. Let's go. And then, and then go compete with Iowa State um, because you competed with Kansas State. You beat Baylor. You've got, got out on the road uh, and won some games. BYU women's basketball getting stronger and improving throughout the season as well. You're seeing that young freshman backcourt grow before our eyes for sure. this season. If BYU wins five straight, there's a real opportunity for the Cougars to definitely avoid playing on the first day in the Big 12 tournament and maybe be in that 8-9 game as it'd they be, open up it'd tournament It'd be nice play. to show up on day two and not Absolutely. the 11-14 spot. BYU women's soccer announcing and we mentioned this just a little bit ago. They will play the Utah Royals in a closed scrimmage next month. Is this just a glorified alumni game? Because there are five former BYU women's soccer players on the Royals roster currently. Love, Vasconcelos, Tucker, Mozingo, Griffiths. Sort of. Like if those five were actually out there, it's almost your half the 11. Let's go. It's a closed scrimmage. I think they should televise this, at least in the state of Utah. People would watch. BYU fans would want to watch. I understand why they do what they do, but it'd be fun to see that game happen for sure in a live element. Ah. Okay, Yahoo Sports' Ross Dellinger published an article about the future changes calling, uh, coming to college athletics with what he called the inevitable expansion of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Would you like to see the tourney expanded? There's a lot of discussion every year about potentially doing this. Not really. Uh, I tend to lean in the direction of John Rothstein, who was like, do not expand whatever it takes. Avoid, 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 no. We sleep in May. Yes. <laughs> it's 68 teams. If it did expand, yep. I would not want it to go more than probably 80 teams. And the reason I pick 80 as the number is maybe you give the top four seeds in each region a first round bye. So if you're a one, two, three, or four seed, you just don't play 
an opening round. They used game. to do this. It used to be a 48 team tournament, right? You'd get biased game. So then, it sounds so weird. A 20 seed would play <laughs> a five seed in that opening round, right? Yeah. And then 19 and six and so on and so forth all the way down. So, but if you're protected, like you're awarded with just a first round bye if yeah. you're a one through four seed. We're doing this in college football playoff, by the way. Yeah. We're giving out top there are, four. There are 12 teams there, right? So it's yeah. the same idea that I would not want it to go more than that. I don't really want it to do that, but if it did expand, that's as big as I would want it to get. How much do we care about the NIT? Because if you expand to say 96, you're, you're, Too many. you're essentially cutting the NIT off of the knees and now it's just like, that's it. BYU is making that tourney most of the time, which would be great. Um, I don't really care when BYU makes the NIT that much. It's fun to have the season extend, but the motivation yeah. is kind of gone, right? You didn't make the, the main goal there. So I'm not opposed to it. I do think it's inevitable as well. There's too much money to be made, so it will happen, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Uh, maybe it goes to 72, and they figure out something weird to do with that number. I, I don't know, but just don't get more than 80, because 96, you want a 24 seed? Just that's so ridiculous. There's a really funny onion video yes, that we reference. Yes. Where they talk about how they ex <laughs> the tournament expense of 4096. <laughs> and they're like, the so-and-so trucking company against Dallas Roberts <laughs> Air Academy. Uh, they're in the steam room. Oh, they, hey, get in the steam room. Let's go. <laughs> We're gonna turn up the heat. <laughs> College football considering adding a two-minute warning. How about this? Similar to the NFL. Would you like to see that rule change applied in college football? I don't think you need this. The clock stops on first downs later in the game. They eliminated that, right, from earlier. Uh, it doesn't stop until, what, the last two minutes of each half now? You kind of don't need it. Get a first down or go out of bounds. Also, you don't have the same rules as the NFL, where if you're tackled, not forward, meaning level or backwards, the clock continues to roll yeah. as well. Yes. So, no, you don't need a two-minute warning in college football. I don't really care. Like, if they add it, okay. Like now it's just another move in the direction of like, oh, it slows the game down a little bit more. Cause people were like, oh, you're, you're speeding up the game with these rule changes, taking plays away from these, these hardworking kids. Now it's okay, you got a two minute warning back. Maybe you get a few plays back because of the two minute what warning. What 22 year old Great. is a kid? Great. Whatever. Yeah, I, I see. I, I don't really care. Yeah. I'm, I'm indifferent to it. You had it, great. Okay, let me know when it happens. Late in last night's game, the Cougar Tail Kid returned, 11 year old. Beckham Bramwell! Hi, Beckham. Last two games, has eaten an entire cougar tail in uh, one go by I'm himself. I'm a little worried about his cholesterol. <laughs> the sugar intake is high. Is he BYU's new good luck charm? They're 2-0 with this. Well, they, they have won the games, but I'd like to point out that after they have shown Beckham attempt this feat twice now, the games have gotten weirdly close, and like the opponents have gone on these weird runs. Spence, he has not choked yet, and neither has BYU. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I do not want either. Please BYU, don't. BYU's winning. Please it's, don't. It's hilarious. Beckham Bramwell. Really, I just want him to wear a royal blue hoodie. Like, let's yeah. get him that. Yeah. BYU store, step up. Give the cougar tail kid a royal blue sweatshirt. Number six men's volleyball takes on number two Grand Canyon, who's undefeated 9-0. Oh, oh, oh! Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern, as MPSF play begins on BYU TV. Massive matches in the Smithfield House. It's a Valentine's Day-themed question of the day. What do you love most about BYU sports right now? You, Spencer. It's more of your responses. This is BYU Sports Station. My friend, to tell my friend Sean Farnham. <laughs> okay. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. 
the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He is Jason. Now for your Thursday headlines. All right, let's look at BYU's team sheet as of this morning as we're about uh, one month away from Selection Sunday. That's absolutely crazy to think about. Number 19, BYU currently 18-6 and six overall, 6-5 six and five in the Big 12 with a record of 6-6 six and six in Quad 1 and Quad 2 games. So good. The Cougars are number 9 in the net, number 14 in Ken Palm, and a 5 seed in Uncle Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. <laughs> and speaking of bracketology in the, uh, the bracket, bracket matrix, BYU included in all 106 brackets with an average seed of 5.3. Love it. A high seed of four, a low of seven. Who's got them as a seven? Get with it. <laughs> BYU softball begins play today in their second tournament at Arizona State's Littlewood Classic in Tempe. Cougars 5-0 on the season after going undefeated at the Paradise Classic in Hawaii last week. The Cougars will take on budding rival Arizona State tonight. BYU men's golf is in Hawaii to defend its title in the 47th edition of the John A. Burns Intercollegiate at the Ocean Course at uh, Hakuala. Yes. Is that how you say that? All right. Hokuala. Hokuala. BYU won the event last year and tees off later this morning with uh, play continuing throughout the weekend. BYU swimmer Mackenzie Lung was named the Women's Co-Swimmer of the Week after breaking the BYU pool record in the 200 breaststroke. And Jordan Tiffany named the Men's Co-Newcomer of the Week for the fifth time this season after breaking his own 200 individual medley pool record. All right, Cougar Pro Hoopers. This is the weekly update, letting you know where uh, everybody stands. Uh, Elijah Bryant had a 19.14 rebound double-double uh, for his team in Turkey. Not going to attempt to say Anadolu Efes. All right, there you go. Zach Selyus had 18 points for Würzburg Baskets <laughs> in Germany. Würzburg. Würzburg. Uh, Alex Barcelo, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists for Akunsa Gup. Gipuskoa. Gipuskoa. I know. Why didn't you get this one? You're know. so much better with nah, these. It's all good. And uh, Brandon Averett with uh, 20 <laughs> points, four assists for his team in France. Yes, those are today's <laughs> headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, in Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings he released yesterday, BYU football's ranked 60th in offense, 80th in defense. Wait, what? Does that surprise you? Yes, I would expect those numbers to be different. But it's largely based on just returning yes. players and production. production. Yes. Like that is the analytic involved there that most heavily sways this. So yes, I am surprised. I get it, but it still is a little surprising. Sure. Is a top eight finish in the Big 12 out of the question for BYU women's basketball, who are now alone in ninth. Yep. They've won three in a row. Yep, playing really good basketball and an opportunity to take on Kansas get a little, little revenge against yep. the team that beat them in Lawrence. Uh, is it out of the question? No, it's not out of the question. Th this team can absolutely do that. I think BYU is going to win the next two games and get to 7-8. and eight. I really do. I think they're going to hold home court against Kansas eight. and then TCU yes, at home. I think they are going to do that. And at that point, eighth place feels very reachable. Yep. All right, Jimmer Fredette was featured in the Sue's Places on ESPN Plus with Sue Bird and Iowa women's basketball superstar Caitlin Clark, who said uh, one of her idols was the Jimmer. Join the group. And I know. Is Clark the closest player to Jimmer since Jimmer? For what she means to the game, specifically in women's basketball, yes. And how she plays the yeah. game too, Jason. And, and the attention. She brings yeah. in the average viewer. People that maybe don't necessarily follow it, they know who she is, and they pay attention yeah. because they 
know she's involved. Same thing with Jimmer. It's the Caitlin craze, just like yep. Jimmer Mania yep. was a thing, yep. right? 100%. It, it's very similar. Yep. They both happen to be national players of the year, too. Yep. All right, up next, kicker turned MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson joins us in studio. Coming up, his first professional win. He's not an amateur star anymore, straight up pro. This is BYU Sports Nation. Don't pick a fight with him. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.